Good morning, everyone. As, as we um, as look at our scriptures for this morning, my friends, we have a, a very famous uh, story of David um, happening in the Old Testament reading today. And um, because of his great successes in the battlefield, uh, David has become very popular with people. Uh, he is considered a hero by all of them. And as a result of this, jealousy sets in into the king's heart, and um, the king Saul sees him as a threat and sought to kill him at the closest opportunity. Whenever he could, he would try, and he tried <laughs> numerous times. My friends, this first reading contains the moving story of how David had the opportunity then to kill his enemy, but refused to do so because in his eyes he saw Saul as the king of Israel and that God had appointed him as that. Uh, we would know it as the anointed, uh, one of God's anointed as a king. And um, David turns down the opportunity to kill Saul, even though um, in this moment David is a man of integrity, uh, meaning he did not allow the opinions of the other soldiers, the other warriors, to influence him. Because they were basically saying, look, this must be what God wants, right? He's given you the opportunity to kill him. But David does not see it that way. Rather, he wants to see it as God sees it. And he saw uh, that this would not be right before God to do this. My friends, our second reading is it sometimes happened with St. Paul. When you read it, it's like, what does this have to do with the other two readings? Usually with Paul, it's just kind of thrown in there. And uh, I looked at it, and I was like, duh. <laughs> what am I going to do to connect these? And well, I know how to do it, but, uh, but if you, this is one of those times when I've told you, if you read the paragraph before and paragraph after this particular reading, it'll give you the context of what's happening. So... Um, the Corinthians, are, they're always fighting about something. In, uh, uh, in this case, this is an argument that Paul is putting forward. So what we've heard today, it's part of an argument. And if you don't know what the argument is, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So the Corinthians, uh, they were holding on to this Greek idea that uh, the body is worthless and there's no point to it. So Paul is arguing about the resurrection of the body. And he's drawing these, these different conclusions. Adam was a man, and we're men, and Jesus is uh, of spirit, and you're baptized. So you can see what he's doing. He, he's saying, uh, uh, and ultimately, uh, the heaven and eternal life will be yours. And I, I suppose uh, the ending of the, the gospel kind of points to that. So that's one way. Um, so this is my treatment of the second reading. <laughs> Yeah, if you read it and you go, I don't know, and that not make any sense, then yeah, you need to go and read the chapter before or the paragraph before. And that'll tell you what Paul's doing. He's arguing with them, trying to convince them that the body is not worthless and that there's going to be a resurrection. They think the soul just goes away and that's it. And, uh, but uh, Paul's saying, no, 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 there's going to be a resurrection when the soul returns to the body. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to argue that with people today. <laughs> oh, yes, I have to argue that today. And my friends, Jesus stresses the duty of charity amongst those who will say they are his followers. There is no escaping it. St. James will call you liars if you think you can do otherwise. 
and that's not a nice thing, but <laughs> it would be a truthful thing. And um, Jesus' vision of human behavior is at such a variance from that of the world uh, that many people regard what Jesus had to say as unachievable. And um, so because it's unachievable in their thoughts, they ignore it. And uh, um, from a human point of view, it may seem unachievable, but from divine help, it is not, you know, we can do this. And um, that image, remember, this is the Sermon of the Plain. This is a homily by Jesus. And it wasn't just as, like, Father Mark can, yeah, he can keep you here all day, but you know, Jesus with his homilies. But Jesus, that beatitude, that sermon, um, Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount, Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plain, it was all day long. So this is a continuation of the reading from last week when we heard the Beatitudes. This is a homily. And Jesus, when I, I can speak for myself, and most, most homilists speak from the heart that which is dear to them. So we need to really pay attention to everything. But this is important to Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the Savior, who is God. And um, he's saying something about what his followers will need to do and what the whole world should do. And from the outside world, it seems heroic, but from the mind of Christ, it is not. And last night I, told, I gave a homily. I said, most people do not consider themselves to be heroes. However, in certain circumstances, ordinary people, ordinary folk, may be capable of what the world calls heroic behavior. We hear stories of people who put themselves in harm's way to save the life of another human being, often a stranger to them. There are circumstances that seem to bring out the very best in people. Of late, people talk a lot about what brings out the worst in people. So let's flip that coin and talk about what brings out the best in people and make them capable of behaving in heroic ways. Uh, which maybe they normally would not ever consider themselves capable of doing. There are people who have died trying to save the life of another person. And uh, we should rightly say, why? Why would they do this? While most people consider themselves decent human beings, they would not be prepared to promise that they would risk their life for someone else, a stranger, let alone an enemy. My friends, so what would drive some, a human person to do this? It would be love, and not the warm, newlywed love. That's all feely and glowing. This is a different type of love. This is a, a state of mind, a state of will, known as hesed, uh, or in the Greek, agape. And um, uh, that would be the cause for one to act heroically. And so then, uh, what would be the opposite? What would prevent someone from doing that? And I would suggest fear would prevent them from doing it, or the fear of failure uh, would prevent them from acting um, heroically on behalf of another. My friends, at any rate, uh, we all recognize that ordinary people like ourselves, we do have the capacity uh, to heroic actions in certain circumstances. My friends, in this part of Jesus' homily in Luke's gospel, uh, there is something from the world's perspective being put forth as heroic. It goes beyond what most folks consider to be neighborly 
or good behavior. A reaction uh, one could have to Jesus' homily is not favorable. They might say, I can imagine myself following this teaching of Jesus not on a regular basis or from day to day. But there might be a time when I might be able to rise to this occasion and follow him. So my friends, then, the ordinary Christian, uh, I think it's, I can say confidently, uh, is not into loving their enemy. One, because we see it all the time. And uh, they certainly are not going to give to the person who stole from them. You see all the things that Jesus is putting forth. It's contrary to what the world thinks. And I've heard people say, well, maybe only a saint could do such a thing. And uh, or no one seriously expects me to do this as a Christian. So the first thing I thought of was, well, let me go to the, to the writings of Jesus in the gospel and let's see if there's, a, if there's anything that supports that type of thinking that that's not expected of me. And I went, and there is nothing that suggests that Jesus' teaching, this homily, was only for his apostles, and everyone else was exempt from it. When Jesus spoke this, he spoke this to every human person. He said, to all who would hear. That's everybody. These teachings are not for a select group of people, but for everyone who is baptized. Our Lord told them, in this sense, then, um, you are going to find my words unsettling. I mean, all of it, not only this, the golden rule, as most people know it, do unto others as you'd have them do unto people. Oh, yeah, I got that. You want me to love what? My enemy? But you, Jesus went on further. If you only treat others with kindness or treat you kindness, he said, huh. Matthew says it to him, he goes, even the pagans do that. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that kind of unsettling? It's very challenging. And uh, my friends, um, upon reflection, disciples, you guys, the baptized, uh, this challenges many thoughts that we have. This challenges what is considered status quo in our mentality. Um, and I suspect his teachings, when we really reflect and try and put them to heart and to action, they are going to challenge the baptized person their whole life. If it doesn't challenge you, perhaps um, we need to ask why. Why doesn't Jesus' homily stir within you unsettling things? And, because um, my friends, if, uh, if you decide that... Uh, you don't accept his homily, here's what it would be. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, provided I don't have to take seriously those teachings. That's the same as a Catholic saying, I am Catholic, but I do not take the sacraments seriously. It's a ridiculous premise. Such statements would be meaningless. My friends, up until this point in Luke's gospel, the principal fault that Jesus has lodged against his generation is that they are hard of heart. They lacked charity. They did not recognize the action, the presence of the Messiah standing before them, Jesus of Nazareth, nor did they recognize that God had been doing things for their generation and the generation before and before this whole time. 
And certainly, looking at Mark's gospel for sure, this was a source of frustration for Jesus of Nazareth. At some point, he even said to his apostles, how much longer am I going to have to bear you? And I thought, oh my, Jesus having a bad day <laughs> on that day. I wouldn't want to be around him on that day. My friends, our failure to recognize the Sermon of the Plain, Jesus' homily, and what it contains as central to the teachings of Jesus the Christ and to assimilate them into our lives as baptized Christians is because of hardness of heart. And if it was a source of frustration for our Lord then, then it must be a source of frustration for him today. Why? Because this apparently is Jesus' way of bringing his Father's plan on this earth, the kingdom of peace and justice, into our world. And this gospel, this homily, is an indictment on all the baptized people. Clearly, our Lord desires to work through us. That's why he established a church here on earth. We are to be his instruments in this world, but hardness of heart is putting a wrench in God's plan. We need to have a fresh outlook upon his precepts and his teachings in order uh, for us to embrace these from the heart will take more than human will, of course. We can see that. It requires God's grace. It requires the Holy Spirit to help us. Hardness of heart prevents us from making the radical change required in living the teachings of the Beatitudes, the teaching of the Sermon of the Mount, as Matthew puts it, the teaching of the Sermon of the Plain, as Luke talks. Our Lord will not force anyone. He let the rich man walk away from him. My friends, the decisive factor in dealing with one's hardness of heart will not only be our desire to want to do this, but grace. We need grace. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We will need to ask the Holy Spirit to assist us in these things. There is no other way of moving towards this radical change that Jesus was putting forth to live out our Christian discipleship without it. If we are truly open to the Holy Spirit, to our Lord's abundant grace, then and only then will Jesus' central teaching no longer seem like heroics or only for the holiest of the holy and only for the saints, but then we will understand that it's meant for each one of us. My friends, in Matthew's Gospel, what precedes the Beatitudes and the homily, Jesus is teaching his followers a prayer as we know, the Our Father. They did not understand the prayer. So then what follows is his homily and the Beatitudes. So when you pray the Our Father and you get to the part when you say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven unless you embrace his teachings found in his sermon, you will not understand those words ever. 
you will be lost in them. But when you understand the profound meaning of his homily and then go back to the Our Father, it becomes clearer and clearer. And my friends, last night, you know, the, we remember John Paul the Great when it comes to the teaching of forgiving. And remember, he, there was an assassination attempt on him in Peter's Square. And the minute he got out of the hospital, he went to see the assassin. I told the people last night, I don't know if your pastor could have done that. I don't know. But that's what he did. Now that seems far away, and people are like, that's, he's a saint. That does, no, you can't. All right. Then I'm going to pull something from the news a month ago about a family whose daughter was killed and her friend seriously injured. Remember in Pierce County, a man who was doing bad, he had robbed and done, and he was perhaps on the run, we don't know, but he hit the two children, killing one of them. And it just so happens that the little girl, the seven-year-old, was Catholic, and her family, Catholic Christians. And he did what most Christians found to be impossible. I watched the news as the reports came out, and when they finally caught the person, they interviewed the father again. Just days after his daughter had been killed. And the news person, I think, was trying to provoke him. What do you think about this? What should be done with the person who killed your daughter? And he was calm. And he said, I forgive. But I want that man to carry a picture of my daughter for the rest of his life. Why? to remind him of the evil and the wickedness he had done so he would suffer? No. What followed from that man's mouth seemed heroic, but was exactly what Jesus said all disciples of his must do. He said, I want him to carry a picture of my daughter for the rest of his life so that he will remember to change his ways. to change his ways. Heroic? Or what a disciple of Jesus is called to do? I believe that man understands the power of forgiveness, the liberation that comes from forgiveness. And he had the very mind of Christ Paul, speaking to the Philippian community, chapter 2, line, one, line 3, do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourself, each looking out not for his own interest, but also everyone for those of others. 
having among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Jesus Christ. That's a strange way of Paul to write. I mean, the way he said it, what he's saying is, have the mind of Christ, who, though he, meaning Jesus, was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, the humbleness and the charity. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, charity of heart, coming in human likeness, unity with us, and found in human appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, death on a cross, which I remind you, when they were killing him on the cross, Jesus said, Father, do not harm them. He forgave. Because of this, God greatly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Having the mind of Christ. My friends, if you will not forgive someone because Jesus has asked you, and he did not say forgive them only when they deserve it, he just said forgive them. If you will not do it for holiness' sake, And do it for this reason. Forgiveness means God's grace is growing in your life. If you do not forgive, that means that grace is not taking seed and growing. That is regrettable. Jesus says in Luke's gospel, Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful, the mind of Christ. I just read in Philippians. But if you do not forgive others, neither will my heavenly Father forgive you. And if that happens, you will have no place in heaven. You will have no place in heaven. Is that what you want? Absolutely not. Forgive. 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 Amen? My friends, for the disciple of Jesus Christ who thinks they may invoke an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, they are greatly mistaken. We are no longer able to invoke that. Jesus changed that for us in the New Testament. Um, we are asked to forgive. As I gave the example of the man uh, who lost his daughter, surely if he can forgive such a horrendous hurt, cannot the average Christian forgive those who have offended their ego or their pride or something along that line.